week number three of This Means War. We've been in this series for, and this is now the third week. Uh, and what we're doing is looking at what the Bible has to say about spiritual warfare, because the reality is, is you are in a spiritual battle. Believe it or don't believe it, but the Bible makes it really clear you're in a spiritual battle. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you are very aware that you're in a spiritual battle. If you're in here and you're not a follower of Jesus, you might think this is crazy, but I'm telling you, if, you're, if you follow Jesus for any amount of time, you are very, very aware that there are forces, powers, whatever you want to call it, that are set against you and you pushing the kingdom of God forward. And so I want to look at what the Bible has to say. And so week one, we looked at who is the enemy? Who are we fighting against? How does he work? Because we want to know, right? It's like watching game film. We want to know what's going on and we want to know how to attack, right? You watch, you watch how they work so you can defend yourself. And so in week two, we talked about defense. We talked about the armor of God. That's what Paul says. He says, take up the whole armor, every bit of it. Defensive weapons, the whole armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes ready for the gospel, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith. All of this armor put on, defend yourself against the attacks of the enemy. But now we're in this position of like, okay, so I don't want to just defend myself because I don't want to just kind of like, she's like, ow, that hurts. I don't want to do this anymore. But now I want to start like swinging weapons. Like, let's make this happen. I'm trying to like beat somebody here. And so here's how I'll illustrate it. It's like this. When, uh, when my wife and I got married, it, uh, this was the decision that was put before me, which is funny to me now. She said, we can get a cat or we can get a real Christmas tree every year. So I, being the wise man that I am, did not choose cat because that's a long-term investment that I do not want to be a part of. And I chose, okay, let's get a real Christmas tree every year. We didn't get real Christmas trees in my family. If you're like, well, you're not a, like, you didn't actually have Christmas, whatever. So like, and I'm not talking like, don't think like, like you walk in at Lowe's and there's something like a wooden thing that you just take and put on the top of your car. That's not, that's not enough for Jenny, right? She's like, we've got to get a real Christmas tree, meaning we need to go to the Christmas tree farm. Awesome. If you didn't know there are Christmas tree farms, there are. And so we drive out to this place that's in the middle of nowhere. And I'm kind of dressed like this, right? Because, because she's like, oh, dress kind of cute because I want to take some Instagram pictures and post it. <laughs> okay. She's like, hashtag our first Christmas. You know that whole deal? So we go out there, and this is how it works. You get there, and you get, on a, you get on a trailer that has a bunch of hay, and you take a hay ride, right? You take a hay ride. All the girls are like, oh, my gosh, there would be so many selfie opportunities here. So we get on a hay ride, and we are taking off out into this farm area where there are a bunch of, literally, Christmas trees. And we get out there, and this is what they tell you. Find a tree that you want, and take this saw. They give you this saw, and they're like, cut it down. I'm like, Me? You want me? It's so, like, yeah. Okay, great. And they hand you this saw, and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. What they don't tell you is they have had this saw for the last three decades, and they've never sharpened the blade. And it's like, cool. Did you get, like, did your, like, Amish grandparents give you this saw? Because you, it looks sharp, and then, and then fools like me, I'm on all fours in clothes like this. Like, these are kind of good, like, I'm in kind of good jeans and a, a nicer shirt, and I'm on all fours underneath this tree. My wife is taking pictures of me at this point because that's what good wives do when it's funny. I'm under this and I'm like, I'm like getting after him. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, is it, is it doing anything? And I'm getting n- nowhere. I mean, we're 10 minutes into this thing. I'm dripping sweat because it's Texas and it's December and it's about 85 outside and muggy. I'm like, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. And I'm just like, <sighs> 
the saw's getting stuck. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just like, but I'm a man. I'm going to do this from a woman. And, you know, like, I'm just getting it. And this kid that works there, right, he's like 17. He's uh, wearing a T-shirt and a hat that's kind of like half on his head. And he's wearing jeans, but he's got boots on. And he's pulled over his jeans, you know, because he's real redneck kind of deal. He's like, hey, need some help getting this tree down? Yeah, man. I, yeah, I do. So he pulls out his saw. I'm like, fool, you don't know that that saw's like three decades old. But his is a little better. And he gets like the fancy saw that's like made of carbon fiber or whatever. And he's like diamond plated. And he just, like, he gets underneath it and like yanks the tree over this way and just in like five swoops, he's done. I'm like, you just showed me up in front of my wife, bro. You want to fight now or what? <laughs> now, why do I tell you that? Because when you get the right tools, it's easy to progress in the tasks that you have ahead of you. It's easy to take up ground in the battle that's in front of you. The same is true in the spiritual battle that we're in. You see, some of you are very aware that you're in a spiritual battle and you're getting beat up. And you don't know what tools or what the Bible will call what, what weapons to take up so that you can take ground. And more than that, you don't know, you, maybe you know the weapons, but you just don't even know how to use those weapons. You see, I, I know what a saw is. I was like, I don't know how to pull the tree over, and this, this is hard. You see, in this spiritual battle, some of you are aware of the tools that you need to take up, but you have no clue how to use them. Without the proper tools, success in this battle will seem unreachable. If you don't know the weapons to take up, you will not take ground from the enemy. You will keep getting attacked and not know how to fight back. And so the point of tonight is to teach us from the words of God, how do we fight back? So let's look at it. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 17. Uh, this, is, this is 17. This is where we stopped last time. And take the helmet of salvation, right? We talked about that. And here's where we stopped. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words that may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So he starts out and he's, he's just real explicit. Here's your first weapon. Here's the thing that you got to know how to fight back. Here's the first thing you need to take up. It says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is what? Which is the word of God. So your first weapon is scripture. Your first weapon is scripture. And he calls it a sword. It's the thing that you swing at the enemy. It's the thing that you, you're moving and wielding or whatever you want to call it as you're taking ground. It's not armor. You're swinging this thing. Nobody keeps a sword and uses it as a shield. You take a sword and you stab folks with it. That's what you do with a sword. It is a weapon for you to take ground. And you desperately need the words of God in this fight with the enemy. And the question is, well, then how, how is it helpful? How, how, does, how does the Bible, how do the scriptures help us in this spiritual battle? Here's the first thing. Here's how it's helpful. Number one, because the Bible is the only unchanging source of truth that you have. 
The scriptures are helpful in battle because it is the only unchanging source of truth that you have access to. You say, no, people tell me true things. Yeah, but they also tell you false things. Other books tell me true things. Yeah, but they also tell you false things. The Bible is the only place that tells you the truth all the time, forever. It's the only source where you find the truth that un, is unchanging. Because here's the deal. You see, the, you got to know this stuff, right? So that requires us to know it, to be in our hearts, to deep down in our souls. We believe this. These are the words of God. This isn't just some old book that we read because it's like, what else should we do? It's, these are actually the words of God to us. You want to hear God speak? Read this out loud. I'm, that's what I'm talking about. And we need to know this because here's what Satan does. He'll come to you and he'll speak words from here, but he'll get them wrong. And you'll say, well, that sounds a lot like Bible to me. That's got to be true. You see, it's more than you just knowing the words. You need to know what it means. You need to know how it works. You need to know how to live out of that. Because when Satan comes to you and speaks Bible and he gets it wrong and you believe it, it's still a lie. And it's still for your destruction. And so if we know this, and it sinks down deep into our soul, it sinks down really deep into our heart. When Satan comes and he lies to us from the scriptures... We turn around and say, that's not true. You're a liar. You're a liar. And he gets exposed every single time. It's helpful in the battle because it's the only unchanging source of truth. And the second thing, it's helpful in the battle because it becomes an anchor for us in the midst of temptation. It's an anchor for us in the midst of temptation. It keeps you tethered. It keeps you grounded in the midst of temptation. You won't wander off because you know what's true. You won't wander off because you know God's best. You won't waver because you say these are are God's words, and this is what is best for me. We need to know the scriptures and wield the sword because it's an anchor for us. But we gotta know it. Well, so then what does that look like? What does it look like to take up the sword of the spirit? What are we actually talking about? Jesus gives us a good example in Matthew chapter four. It says this, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, right? He's getting tempted at this point. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. It's kind of like a no-duh moment Bible, right? Thanks for telling us. I'd be hungry too. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. So he comes to him and he's like, Hey, you're hungry, huh? Well, if, I mean, if you're really God, why don't you just turn these rocks into bread? Here's how Jesus answers. Check this out. Verse 4. But he answered, It is written, meaning it is written from the words of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, check this out. This is what the devil says. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. Now he says, you want to play this game with the word of God? I'll give you word of God. For it is written in your word of God. He will command his angels concerning you. You see, Satan is so good at what he does. He will take God's word and he will he will warp it and he will speak it to you. And you'll, you'll think, that sounds a lot like Bible to me. Now, but check out what Jesus does. He will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Verse seven, here's how Jesus responds. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord, your God to the test. Here's essentially what he says, Satan, you got that wrong, homie, because you're not supposed to put the Lord your God to the test. You got the Bible wrong. 
Verse 8, again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these I'll give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. How does Jesus deal with temptation when it comes? He takes up the sword of the spirit and starts swinging it. You want to take ground against the enemy? You want, you want to crush the enemy when he lies to you? Start swinging the sword. Start speaking the words of God back to him. Because that's your only unchanging source of truth that you have. And so it's, we're not tempted in a desert, right? But for me, here's how, here's how it plays out. Uh, believe it or not, I deal with pride because I'm a prideful human, right? If you're in here like, I've never dealt with pride in my life. You're prideful, Right? And so I had, I had, here's what I have to do to this day. I will often do it in that back corner. I will say this from James 4, 6. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Because here's what Satan does. He comes, he's like, wouldn't it be awesome if everybody thought you were awesome? Man, everybody in here needs to know you and know how awesome you are. That sounds good. Like, nobody wants to, like, be lame. And so when Satan comes and he tells me, he's like, oh, yeah. The more people, the more praise, the better you are. I start to puff myself up. It's like, man, you're good at this. You deserve so much more credit than you're getting. It's pride. So you know what I, I speak back to Satan? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I'm swinging a sword. I'm saying, Listen, if I'm going to believe your, your way and be prideful, I'm going to set myself in opposition to God. That's a bad place to be, dude. It's a bad place to be. Maybe your deal's not pride. Maybe, maybe you deal with lust or sexual temptation, right? And so f- for me, it, if, if that were me, this is, what I'm, this is what I'm saying to myself. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8. For this is the will of God. So if you're like, man, what does God want for my life? This is what he wants. Your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passions of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. He says, don't use your bodies in ways that act like people who don't know who God is. Verse six, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in his matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you for God has not called you to impurity but holiness. So if this is your struggle, if lust is your struggle or sexual temptation is your struggle, let verse seven just ring in your soul and you speak it back to the devil when you get in that moment of like, maybe I should click on the screen. Maybe I should look at those images or maybe I should do this with her because we're in a dark room or maybe I should do this with him because you know, he's here and he's he's cute and you know, I just want to do those things. But maybe you need to speak those words. God has not called us to impurity, but holiness. And you speak those words back to Satan. That's not what God has called us to. Therefore, verse eight, therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. You see, here's what Satan comes. He goes, hey, you deserve this. You deserve to look at those images. You have a really stressful day. Hey, you can look at those images. Nobody's gonna know. Hey, you can do this with him or her. Nobody's gonna know. You're not hurting anybody. You can do this with him or her. You love him or you love her. So, I mean, you're essentially married in your heart. You're essentially not. You need to speak back to Satan and say, God has not called us to that. God does have my best. Speak verse eight back. Whoever disregards these things, disregards not man, but God. 
So to just launch into pornography or launch into sexual morality and listening to Satan's voice is not to disregard me, it's to disregard God. It's to look at God and say, you don't know best. I'm promising you God knows best. God always knows best. Now, hear me. Here's the caveat. If you're in here and you've already crossed those lines, don't hear me heap shame on you. This, this is how Satan will twist it now. You see, you're, you're the person who's already crossed the line. You're dirty. God couldn't love you. Now, here's, the, here's, here's how you need to tell Satan that he's a liar. Jesus came to make dirty people clean. Jesus came, and while we were yet still sinners, he died. In your worst state, Jesus gave his life for you. Don't hear Satan say, you're too dirty. Tell him, you're a liar. God came for messed up people just like me. Tell him the gospel. Preach the gospel back to him. So the first weapon is the scripture. Take up the sword of the spirit. Second thing, look at verse 18. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, alert with, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. The second weapon that you've got to take up in this spiritual battle is prayer. Prayer is a weapon you've got to take up. Well, how is it helpful, Kate? How is it helpful? Here's, here's, the, here's the one reason you've got to hold on to that's why it's helpful. Because prayer brings your needs, our needs, to the one, the only one who is able to give you the help that you need. Prayer gives you access to the one, the only one who is able to give you the help that you need. Because here's the deal, right? Early on in Ephesians 6, in verse 12, it tells us we're not in a battle that's against flesh and blood. We're in a spiritual battle. You're in a supernatural battle. Therefore, you need supernatural help. You're not, I'm, I'm telling you, if you're just white knuckling this deal, if you're, if you're going home at nighttime with your phone by your bed and you're like, I'm not gonna look at porn, I'm not gonna look at porn, I'm not gonna look at porn, you're going to fail. Satan is too good at what he does. You are not strong enough. I'm telling you, if you're sitting in a room alone with him or her late at night and you're like, we're not gonna touch each other, we're just not gonna do it. We're not, we're we're not going to do that. You're going to fail. Satan's too good at what he does. You don't have strength for it. You need supernatural strength for this. You need way more power than you've got. And so you need to access God through prayer. You've got to access God through prayer. It's the only way. This is how the psalmist saw it. Psalm 121 says this, I lift my eyes to the hills for where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is what the psalmist says. He says, look, look, I'm gonna look up because I don't have what it takes. I'm gonna lift my eyes to the hills because where else does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. What kind of Lord? The one who made heaven and the one who made earth. If the God who made heaven and earth gives you the help, there is no battle that you will step into that you cannot win. So look to God, lift your eyes to the hills and say, God, help. God, help. Don't think you're strong enough. 
You desperately need God. And the question is, well, then what does it look like? What does it look like to pray in this battle? What does it look like to take up this weapon? Well, here are some offensive prayers just from the scriptures, right? Uh, Jesus, Matthew 6, 13. Jesus says this, And lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. He's not currently in a situation. He's getting ahead of it. He's asking God ahead of temptation. It's not even here yet. And he's just saying, lead us not into temptation. Don't lead us there. You want to stay away from temptation? Pray today when you're not even in temptation. God, lead us not to temptation. Don't even take us there. Maybe you pray, maybe you pray like 1 Corinthians 10. You'd say, God, give me strength that comes from you to see the way out when you provide it. Because 1 Corinthians 10 says this, no temptation has overtaken you that has not come to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But when the temptation he, but when temptation comes, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So maybe your prayer to God is, God, in the middle of temptation, please, please, oh God, let me see the way out. Because you say, you say, you promise it. You always give a way out. Let me see it. Because I won't choose it if you don't show me. I'll choose me. So God, let me see the way out, please. And you pray that way. One of the biggest ways that you take ground back against the enemy in prayer is that you would confess your sin to God and to somebody else. You think, I can't tell anybody the stuff that I've done. I'm telling you. When you bring your junk into the light, the stuff that you're hiding, that Satan's whispering in your ear going, hey, if you bring this stuff into the light, people will judge you, people will shove you out, everybody will think you're disgusting, nobody else deals with what you're dealing with. Because, but the reality is this, everybody deals with what you're dealing with. Nobody's void of sin. So when God says, Walk in the light as he is in the light. That's good for us. Bring your junk into the light. Just just be the person that's like, hey, I'm gonna just go ahead and bring all of my nasty mess into the light and you guys are just gonna have to deal with it. And if people are like, wow, you're a sinner. She's like, well, so are you. But Satan keeps lying to you over and over again. You can't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. They're going to judge. You're in a leadership position. You're too, you're this, you belong to this family. You, you can't do that. Don't you know what this will cost you? It may cost you a little bit. But what you will gain is far greater than what it's going to cost. Come into the light and be free. So confess your sin to God. Yes, to God. But you want to make this like feel like You confess your sin to another trusted Christian. You say, hey, I'm stuck in this and I desperately need your help. When you do that, you loosen the grip of the enemy. The longer you hide in it, the tighter his grip gets and the more comfortable you get in the dark. So confess your sin. And look, 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 look back at verse 18. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. That's just like a big word for like asking God for things. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication, asking for things for all the saints. You know, another weapon in prayer is that you would pray for one another. 
You should gather with your believing friends. You should gather with your friends that are Christians and you should put your hands on one another and you should beg God for help. Like just grab the shoulders of your friend at some point before the day even starts and say, God, would you give him or her the strength to endure the temptations that will come his way, the the attacks of the enemy. And so God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you wouldn't even allow Satan to have a place in his or her life. And that's it. That's all you've got to do. But you have no clue how powerful that is. Pray for one another. Pray for one another. The last weapon is this, the last weapon. So we've got scripture, we've got prayer. The last one is this. Worship or praise. This is your last weapon, worship. How does it help? First thing, here's the first reason it helps. Because worship, what we just, like worship through singing. It shifts our perspective back to where it needs to be. You could come into this room from a thousand different areas and we sing these songs and it's meant to draw our eyes right back to where we need to be and to draw our hearts and to draw our minds right back to where we need to be. Worship shifts your perspective. Because some of you come in here with some like real jaded perspectives. You're like, church is dumb. Christians are dumb. God is dumb. And we sing and it draws your eyes back up. Second reason that worship is helpful in the fight is because worship songs, they give you words to say when you don't have words to say to God. They give you words to say to God when you don't have them. And if I'm honest, there are days that I come in into this room before I ever come up here. And because of everything that's going on in my life and I don't know how to turn it down, I don't have words for God. And we can sing songs that give me words to say to God that are faithful and right and good. And the third reason that worship's helpful in the fight because it stirs up trust in God. It stirs up your faith even when the circumstances look terrible. It's worship stirs up faith even when the circumstances look terrible. Well, what does this look like? Uh, there's just there's a moment in Second Chronicles twenty uh, when when Jehoshaphat and the the people of God are about to step into battle and they're pretty scared. They're like, uh, God, I don't really know if we're going to win this thing. It's just this could be really gnarly. Uh, but they get ready. They get ready. And they, they they step up into the the battle and this is how this is the first thing that happens. Verse twenty. And they rose early in the morning, went out into the wilderness of Tekoa, and they went out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and he will establish. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when, you have, and when he had taken the counsel with him, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. You know what this cat just did? He's like, hey, 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 all you army, hold back. I'm sending the choir into the battle first. Can you imagine that scene? It's like, like people are all like wielded up in armor. He's like got a, got a sword. He's got a helmet on. It's like, give thanks to the Lord. Like, it's just like walk. <laughs> I cannot imagine that. But he, but he sends out, this is what he does. He sends out worshipers into the battle. 
and say, we will sing praise to our God. We will shout the praise of our God. And we will win this battle. Because check out what happens. They sing. They start singing. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against, against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah. So they were routed, meaning they got dominated. For when the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction, and when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. You see, it rightly aligned their heart. They were terrified going into that battle. But they kept singing, God, your love endures forever. It never, ever fails. We will keep going. We will keep going into what you said to do. We will keep stepping into the battle because your love never, ever fails. And they win. They win. Well, what does it look like for you? You're not robing up in a choir robe and stepping into your day. But it's what we just did, right? It shifts your perspective, right? Okay, so let's just think through this. It shifts your perspective. So the first song we sang, Center My Life. Here's here's, Here's the lyrics. Turn my eyes to see you, Jesus. In all your glory, turn my eyes. What are we asking God? Shift my perspective, God. Turn my heart to sing in wonder of how you love me. Remind me, God, how much you love me. Tune my heart. Turn my eyes away from searching for lesser glory. Turn my eyes. Oh, God, keep me away from the things that are worthless and turn my eyes to you. And you're fighting against everything the enemy has to throw at you. So when, when your heart is wandering and you're like, man, I just want to be this, and I just want to be that, and it's nothing that's honoring to God, and you're like, I, I, I don't, I don't want to do those things, but I don't know how to get away from those things, go in your room and turn on the radio and just blare it and start singing, turn my eyes, God. You're like, well, then people will think I'm weird. I don't, I don't care. You worship God and shift your perspective. What else? It gives us words to say when we don't have them. One thing remains. It's higher than the mountains that I face. It's stronger than the power of the grave. It's constant in the trial and the change. This one thing remains. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. And I, listen to me. Oh, listen to me. I will sing that song and say this to God. God, I'm going to sing this until I believe it. So as I sing it, stir up faith that your love never, ever fails. Because there's, like, this was just honest. Sometimes you sing that song and you're like, yeah, but God's love has failed me before. My life's upside down. I get it. I, I get it. I've been there. And so I will sing songs that never fails. Because, the, listen, whether you believe it or not, it's true. So God, stir up faith. And the last, like, it's... Stir up, stir up trust. Stir up trust that God's best. And this is what it says, right? This song. Give me faith to trust what you say. That you're good and your love is great. You're just asking God. God, would you give me faith that the way you have said to live life is actually best? We're not just like, we don't, I know you might think this about church. But like, Patrick, and Roger and the guys who do worship, they're not just like, hmm, what song do I like the most? And what song the, has the coolest guitar lick? That's not how it works. It's what's going to draw our people to Jesus. What's going to make our people want more of Jesus? 
These songs aren't just like a filler before I get up here. It's really to draw your heart and say, I don't have words, but these wor- this sounds like something I would want to say. Give me faith, God, to trust what you say. And you worship and you fight back. Now, listen, there are all kinds of other weapons, right? I, I gave you three. If we could just take up these three, we would be taking some serious ground away from the enemy. So let's work on these three, the scriptures and praying and worshiping, right? When you feel attacked, and you know this, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, you know. I'm not talking like, well, I sin and I don't really care about it. It must be the devil. No, that's not the devil. It's like you choosing yourself. But I'm talking like you who are following Jesus and you're like, I just, I, I don't want to do this, but I keep getting drawn into this. You're in the battle of your life. And you need to take up some weapons and fight back. Fight back. Listen to me. All of these weapons come from God. All of them. And God wins this battle. Satan is not God's equal. God wins. So don't think... Well, hopefully God's strong enough to win this. No, God is strong enough. God does win. Satan's functioning on borrowed time. He will lose. You keep fighting. So the band's gonna come back over. Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes? If you're in here and you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to think about this. Are there ways that you feel like, man, if I'm honest, I am getting attacked and I don't know what to do. Like, I want to go God's way. I want to do what God wants. I do. But I don't know how. I want to fight back. So maybe, maybe you just need to sit in your seat and you need to read some scripture. You need to read the Bible and you need to keep speaking the words of God back to Satan and telling him he's a liar. Maybe you need to take some time and you need to pray and ask God for help. Maybe some of you for the first time in your life will confess the sin that you're stuck in to another human, to another trusted follower of Jesus. And you would say, you know what? I don't care if somebody judges me. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm stuck and I don't want Satan to win. And you would confess your sin to somebody. Or maybe, maybe some of you just need in a little bit to stand up and explode in praise to God as a way to fight back and say, Satan, you lose. And then maybe you're in here and you're like, man, this is weird. I'm not a follower of Jesus. And what we're talking about makes me feel uncomfortable. That's fair. Here's my my question to you. forget, Forget the spiritual warfare stuff. Answer this. Who do you say that Jesus is? important question on the planet. Who do you say that Jesus is? You want to know more about that? You go grab one of these adults and you say, can you tell me who Jesus is? Let me pray for you and we'll respond. Oh God, we love you. There's nobody like you. Literally nobody like you. You are the mighty warrior of heaven. So fight for us, God. Give us strength. Tell us the truth. Hide it in our heart. 
remind us that you win. We need your help, God. Love you. It's in your name we pray.